0: Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right, everybody, let's do this. Okay, so um, this is a... Uh, live training session, a live Q&A session in my free Facebook group, Tom, the Trainers Tribe. Every single Wednesday, I give the members of the tribe an opportunity to post questions. And then I hop in Wednesday afternoons and I answer those questions. And then what I do is, is I keep the live training up in the free Facebook group. And then down the road, I take those trainings and I upload them to my podcast. So if you're uh, listening to this on the podcast, the description to join Tom, the trainers tribe is in the link of this episode. Pardon me. The link is in the description of this episode to join Tom, the trainers tribe. And if you're watching it on my YouTube, my personal Facebook page or anywhere else, the whole training is not going to be in those areas. So make sure that you check the description and you join Tom, the trainers tribe to not only, see the entire training but also have the opportunity to ask your own questions i'm here to help but the only way i can help you directly uh, for free is through these live q a's that i do i'm really really enjoying them so please join the tribe ask away uh, and this is the way that i help all my followers for free so if you're watching this live comment live and if you're watching the replay comment replay so we're really not going to waste too much time Uh, really, really busy week because I'm doing the free, uh, shred for Santa challenge in Tom, the trainer's tribe. And it is literally the best challenge that I've ever done. Um, so busy week supporting all the members in the tribe and in the challenge, as well as my own appointments and stuff like that. So we're going to get right into it again, watching this live, make sure you comment live or comment replay so that, uh, the Facebook algorithm shows it to the other members of the tribe, ready to do this. Let me grab a glass of water and let's dig in. Correction. That was a really big glass. It's my jug of water. All right. So first thing that I'm actually going to do is because um, my paying clients get first dibs on the questions for live in the tribe and just going to check and see if they asked any questions. And I don't see any in there. They get direct one-to-one coaching from me. They get their questions answered directly in the app. They get face-to-face calls. And then there's also private coaching calls for the members of my team as well. So usually they feel pretty supported. And that's part of the reason why I did this was because it allows for me to help more people um, with the time allocated for Q&As. It's a good sign, obviously, when clients feel as though they don't need a ton of questions answered. Um, so I thought, why take this availability out of my schedule and just, uh, help members in the tribe. So again, if you're not in there, make sure you join. So we're going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to organize them in the, um, order of which they came in. And once again, welcome to the live Q and a. So Denise is asking for the best way to kill sugar cravings. So the best way to kill sugar cravings when you're on a diet is finding, in my opinion, finding calorie free sugar free alternatives that are still sweet. So for me personally, when I'm really heavy into a photo shoot prep, I lean on like diet colas and and diet, uh, you know, diet Pepsi, diet seven up those kinds of things. Pepsi zero seven up zero and all those like sugar free calorie free drinks that just give you that little bit of a sweet um, <clears throat> a little bit of a, a, a help create help curb your sweet tooth part of me. Um, and then also, I'm really big on using calorie free flavor syrups. So um, I talk about it all the time, but it's the most delicious thing ever. Uh, I have uh, calorie free chocolate syrups that I like to put in my um, in my yogurt at the end of my night and it's absolutely delicious. Pineapple is an amazing thing to lean on as well. If you've got a sweet tooth, pineapple is an absolute super fruit. Okay, so I've been eating pineapple regularly and at times when I have a sugar craving or, or I'm feeling hungry, I lean on pineapple heavily and. I had a conversation with my wife when I was like, I just, I don't understand it because it says there's this amount of calories in pineapple, but I can literally pretty much eat as much pineapple as I want while on my meal plan. And it never affects my success. And then recently my old coach who is a really, really intelligent man and really understands nutrition, but he works with pro bodybuilders, doesn't work with general population like I do, did a post about um, how, Pineapple has like digestive qualities and digestive benefits. And so that really kind of like tied things together for me because if it, it improves digestion, therefore we're digesting our foods better. Therefore we are more efficient at burning those foods and those calories. Uh, so pineapple is a beautiful thing to lean on and it's delicious. So like, why not? Right. Um, I've heard of many bodybuilders talking about eating pineapple uh, and I just learned it through my own trial and error. Right. So that's my best way to kill sugar cravings. And if you found that helpful, just comment helpful. Or if you're finding this helpful already um, share this to your story, if you're listening to the podcast. All right. So next question, I'm going to go fast and furious on these. Uh, I'm getting better at my presentations. And um, so, yeah, anyways, Dave is asking what's the best free app for counting calories and keeping track of them. So that's a, that's a good question, Dave. Um, Honestly, there's many apps out there for tracking and counting calories. I used to use one back in the day never really used my fitness pal much but i used to use one back the day i think it was called my diet um so it's fine like in my opinion i think they're all pretty good i think there is variability right um and sometimes a lack of accuracy in in apps because you also have to understand that there's like variability and a lack of accuracy in our food in general right We all know people who are 175 pounds and diced and lean and barely have any body fat. And then we also know people who are 175 pounds and they're 25% body fat. So especially when it comes to animal protein sources, there can be some variability in there. That's also why I use my luxury lifestyle allowance with clients. That's one of the factors is it allows for that variability. And then, of course, being able to enjoy delicious refeed meals on weekends like who's not down with that vibe. Right. Um, so when it comes to the best, when it comes to the best free app for counting calories and keeping track of them, I, I would probably say it's going to be my fitness pal. And the reason why I say it's my fitness pal is because my fitness pal gives you the ability to build meals that are like handy in your personal database. And then when you eat them, you can track that specific meal. And, when you're doing that, it takes away the time allocation of tracking every individual thing. Um, And it also, I think um, gives you some encouragement to stick to consistency in your food intake because of that um, because of that, like um, that, that simplicity that it creates. Right. So I would probably say if I were to pick one in my fitness pal, And you can get free versions of my fitness pal. It actually connects with my training app for my clients, for those who want a little bit more flexibility in their dieting. Like my client, Miguel, he's a chef. Uh, So he builds all these like delicious meals, but he's passionate about food. So he takes the time to do that and he enjoys it. Um, So you can link my fitness pal to my training application to track your food so that I, I, as your coach can see what you're eating. Um, So, yeah, I'd say it's the best one, to be honest with you. Um, Sort of. (laughs) It does have – My Fitness Pal does have its glitches and stuff, but nothing's perfect. And if I were to recommend one, that's probably the one I would recommend. But solely because you can build out meals to find foods and meals and portion sizes of consistent meals that you enjoy – and eat them regularly. And then it's simply a push of a button to track that meal, right? So again, the reason that I think MyFitnessPal is the best app for tracking foods is because you can build out meals that you like. And then every time you eat that meal, you don't have to track things individually. You can just track that meal. And I personally believe consistency is what leads to success. And you should be consistent with your food intake. You shouldn't be trying to eat all kinds of different things all the time while making your calories work. In my opinion, you should find foods that you love, meals that you enjoy that are tasty and satisfying and eat them often and then have a weekend cheat meal. That's my biased approach to things, right? It's just too time consuming to track everything individually. Can we all agree that like we're all busy? So the quicker and the faster and the most efficient we can be when managing our food intake is probably or should be priority number 2 next to calories. Does that make sense? Just say it makes sense in the chat. Maybe say my fitness pal for the win just for just for I don't know, a little bit of humor, right? Um, cool. So next up Nicholas is asking a phenomenal question. Nicholas is asking how to deal with foods or leftover foods from the holidays without wasting it. So we're all, by the time people see this or hear it, aside from people watching it live in the tribe, all just had Thanksgiving in the States, right? So everybody in the States just recently had Thanksgiving. And then what happens is you wind up with all this leftover food that you know, if you consume is going to derail your progress because it's okay to eat your favorite foods. It's okay to have those holiday meals. It's okay to have those cheat meals as long as they're calculated in your calorie intake, but you shouldn't be eating them regularly, right? So what do you do with that food? Honestly, the best thing that you should do with that food is give it to your guests, right? the best way to abstain and refrain from eating foods that you shouldn't be having is not having them available. So we host Christmas and we host Thanksgiving and things like that. We are sending the goodies away when people are leaving, take this, take that. People are like, Oh no, no, you keep it. No, you keep it. And we're like, we're not going to eat it. We're going to throw it out. Right. We're going to wind up throwing it out if you don't take it. Um, So you have to have some, you have to be able to have some assertiveness with that. And eventually like people are going to understand that you're someone who manages your food intake and maybe the first few times that you do it, the first few holidays that you do it, people are going to be like, Oh no, come on. Oh, you're fine. And all that stuff that people say, but eventually they're just going to stop because if you're firm in your stance and you don't give in when they say that, then they'll take it with them because they don't want to see it go to waste. Right. I think like another thing to consider When it comes to leftover food from the holidays, everything comes down to planning and preparing, right? So you should be strategic about the amount of food that you prepare for your holidays so that you don't have a ton of food left over afterwards that doesn't go to waste, right? Another thing that you can do is, you know, you can freeze it. Also, you can make like intelligent choices on what you are keeping. Thanksgiving, Christmas, things like that. Keep the turkey right? Send away the stuffing, send away the desserts, keep the food that you can still manage in your diet, right? Let me know if that was really helpful in the chat. And again, if you are finding this to be gold while well, listening to it on the podcast, I want to drop it up in there, go share this to your stories, go send it to a friend. Um, Eric is asking a question uh, before I go any further. I want to see some helpfuls in the chat. Are we digging this? Let me know what helps. Okay. So Eric is asking what's something I can do to drink or, or eat to jumpstart my metabolism right when I wake up. Okay. The best thing that you can do when you wake up in the morning before you do anything else is have a large glass of water. And it's really, really beneficial to start with some activity in the morning. So my son and I, we go for 10 minute walks after we have breakfast before we get them off to school. So if you want to jumpstart your metabolism in the morning, start your day off with a really nice, big, cold glass of water. It's going to rehydrate you. After you've had your breakfast, take a quick 10 minute walk and get some steps in because 10 minute walks post meal are so overlooked. They're so valuable. And I'm telling you, if you're not doing them, you are sleeping on them. You are sleeping on an extremely easy card to play towards your success. That's inconvenient, extremely impactful, and will help you build muscle, will help you burn body fat, will help you manage insulin levels, and will also be a win in the day because you said you were going to go for a walk in the morning and you did it. So psychologically you're telling yourself, I'm somebody who does the things I say, I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do them. All right. I think everybody knows that I'm like pretty, uh, what's the word? Pretty, um, pretty, Oh, what's the, what's the word? Uh, Pretty energetic on taking 10 minute walks after meals. And honestly, if I'm this amped up about something that, that like that, something as simple as a 10 minute walk. And I keep, pounding it into everybody's, everybody's brains. And I keep talking about it over and over and over again. There's gotta be a reason why they're so impactful. It's also why we're doing it in the challenge. Also why we focus on step count in the challenge, right? So again, Eric, get up, have a big, huge glass of water. I have to have your breakfast after you've had your breakfast, make sure you've got up early enough in the morning where you can go for a quick 10 minute walk before you have to go to work, take the kids to school, etc. cetera, do that every morning, man, I'm telling you, you're going to see an impact and benefits. The other thing, if you feel you have a slow metabolism, then you probably do because you're probably not eating enough throughout the day. You're probably not eating frequently enough throughout the day. And it may take some time for your metabolism to wake up after implementing more whole nutritious foods more frequently throughout the day. And if you're eating frequently throughout the day, you will have amino acids present to build muscle, which will increase your metabolism alone because lean tissue increases metabolism, right? And going for a 10 minute walk after those meals helps kickstart mTOR, which is the step, the first step in building muscle right? So if you feel you have metabolic damage per se, for lack of a better term, start eating more frequently, start eating more foods, start eating healthy foods or low caloric foods that are healthy, eat them often. And eventually your hormones will change. Your ghrelin levels will change. Your leptin levels will change. The timing of your ghrelin to signal hunger will change. So the best thing to do to increase your metabolism, if you feel your metabolism is too slow, is not eat less. It's eat more and eat more often while still being realistic about the number of calories you're consuming in a day. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm on a roll here today. I'm just like, bam! I got all the answers. I think two weeks ago I was like tired or something like that. And you can definitely see a difference in, all of us like when we're tired cognitively. So loving this training. If you're loving this training, just comment, love it in the chat for me. Okay. I'm taking little pauses here and there because I'm all, I'm big on, I'm big on um, drinking a lot of water and I'm taking, and I'm taking sips of my water while doing it. Uh, Somebody said recommended cardio and I know who that is. What's up? Wardrobe changes is getting hot. Okay. <laughs> so what's that song? I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just taking off my sweater. Okay. So. All right. Let's see what we got happening here next. Also really quick announcement. If you're watching this on my Facebook page, I'm dropping it. So make sure right now that you go to Tom, the trainers tribe, the description is in the link is in the description Go to t- the Trainer's Tribe if you want to see the rest of it and you want to ask your own questions. Somebody saying, tell us about liquid calories, please. So do me a favor, actually. Drop that in the chat for me right now, okay? Drop that not in the chat, pardon me, but go drop it on the post. I just don't want to miss it. And I use the post as reference for it. Tell you what, I'm literally just going to drop it in the post right now. Let's talk about liquid calories. Let's talk about liquid calories. I think they could do a song about that. Let's talk about liquid cows, baby. Yeah, I know. That was lame, right? Anyways. All right. <laughs> okay, so. um, I'm in a mood today. I'm on a vibe. And honestly, I got to thank the members of the tribe. And I got to thank the members of the tribe who are taking part in the free challenge for my vibe today. The tribe is fire. The challenge is like fire. I make fun of people. Sometimes I don't make fun of people, but I just think it's a silly thing to say, whatever I'm feeling silly. So it's just awesome. Like the, 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 the community, everybody's like sharing their selfies. Everybody's rooting each other on. Everybody's talking to each other. Like it's just, it's awesome. I might even continue to keep, some of these things like the selfie challenge and stuff in the tribe after the challenge, the daily water selfie for accountability, the step count, the planning and all those things. If anybody's down with that, comment down with that in the tribe, just say, continue, continue the, uh, continue photo accountability in the tribe or in the chat. Okay. Okay. So next up here, before I ramble too long, Jared is asking do you need the same amount of protein consumption on rest days as you do on workout days? Whether you're training or you're not training, I believe that your protein consumption daily should stay pretty consistent. There are times and places where you may have, an, have the ability or may have, it may be a good idea to lower your protein intake if you're carb cycling if you're carb cycling and you're increasing carbohydrates high on a high on a really high carbohydrate day you might want to pull back your protein a little bit just because like when you're eating that many calories the protein that's not being used as muscle is going to like like glucose, glute, glucose neogenesis gluconeogenesis anyways it converts it converts protein can convert to glycogen and glucose if you're not using it. So if you have a high caloric intake day in the means of ramping carbs up really high, like I used to eat like eight, 900 grams of carbs on my high carbohydrate days, then I would have less protein on those high carbohydrate days. But otherwise, for the most part, I would say keep your protein consumption very consistent. Okay. Keep your protein consumption consistent. Consistency is key. And you have to understand that, like, your muscle's energy source is not protein. So, protein has this, like, it's like the holy grail of nutrition or something. But carbohydrates are actually your muscle's energy source, your preferred muscle's energy source for training. So, for some reason, carbohydrates get bastardized and protein gets overconsumed. Right. So I would say that's just another key thing to look at is like, you probably don't need as much as protein as all the protein supplements companies want you to believe you need like 0.8, 0.75 a gram per pound per day is plenty. Um, plenty. I honestly don't know why carbohydrates get such a bad rap. I mean, I used to believe it back in the day myself. I eat lots of carbohydrates. Like I said earlier, I used to eat like 800 grams of carbohydrates on my high cal on my high carbohydrate days. And I used to eat handfuls of Sour Patch Kids, 70 grams of Sour Patch Kids at six or seven meals per day. And if y'all look at my photo shoots, I don't know if carbs make you fat, (laughs) right? So hope that answers the question. I would keep protein consumption very consistent consistency is the key to success repeatable habits repeatable behaviors are the key to success and i would keep my protein consumption as consistent as possible for most people at all times unless you're getting really really lean and you're having a hard time getting lean you might want to pull it back a little bit but that's still don't want, I wouldn't pull it back so much that it ever gets below like 0.8 or 0.75 grams per pound of body weight per day. All right. Next up, we're just blasting through these questions. Uh, So next up is from Taryn. And Taryn's asking about grip strength um, because Taryn's deadlifts are suffering from lack of grip. So if you want to improve grip strength, train as much as possible without lifting straps, but there does come a time and place where you are probably going to need to use them unless you're a power lifter and you're not allowed to use them. Then you could use a hook grip where you're taking your thumb and putting it on the bar and then closing it in with your fingers. It's, it, it, it's not a ton of fun, uh, but it works or the flip grip, like the alternate grip. Um, again, I'm not really a big fan of it unless your goal is powerlifting. If your goal is powerlifting, then use the alternate grip because um, you can't use straps in powerlifting. But I do know, because I used to deadlift a lot and I used to deadlift often and I used to love it until I couldn't deadlift heavy anymore. uh, You will see a muscular imbalance if you're using an alternate grip. So for the average person who's just training for like aesthetics and hypertrophy and muscular development, use straps. Don't use straps until you have to, and then be honest with yourself when you're approaching weight where you do need to use straps. Okay. It'll also be a good way to develop your, your forearms and stuff, right? Um So, next question is what's your preferred meditation from Philip? Um I'm not really one to meditate per se. I'm not against it, but like I would say what I do in my morning routine is probably my form of meditation uh, or my form of like down regulating nerves. So what I do, what I do to down regulate at the start of my day and the end of my day is I have a, a, a pre and post work routine that I do. I start my day off with productivity and product and positivity through what I call, Uh, trigger alarms that go off on my phone that play music that signal a positive message and motivate me to be the best damn role model for my son as possible. So I get up with positivity and productivity. then what I do is, is I go drink my water and I eat my food and all that kind of stuff. And then while I'm on my way to work, I listen to things that are pure entertainment. I don't listen to anything that's anything to do with like my work Or personal development. I listen to pure entertainment. I usually lean on like hockey stuff, hockey podcasts, and things. Then I go get in as soon as I get to the um, parking area. I look at my phone, I go into work mode, I answer all my clients' support and things like that. And I look at what I need to um, schedule later in the day if I don't have time to address it then. And I schedule it back in my day at a later time. And it puts me at ease that it's going to be taken care of, but it's not going to be taken care of. If you don't have integrity with yourself and when things come up in your schedule, you don't do them. So that's key. Uh, And then I repeat the same process on my way home from work and I have boundaries around that process, that pre and post workout routine. Uh, People know for the most part, unless it's an emergency, not to call me in the morning Or call me on my way home from work so that I have the ability to down regulate myself. And then when I walk through the door with my family, I'm not all amped up from the stresses of work. So I don't meditate, but I do have my own like down regulation process, the high performance habits that changed my life, my story and the high performance habits that changed my life. Episode number one on the Tom, the trainer fitness podcast explains my morning and evening routine explains a ton of habits in there that will literally change your life if you implement them. So go check it out. Next question is from, uh, I'm not sure if it's Cal or Chell. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. Could be just an interesting way to pronounce Cal, but I believe it's Chell. What is your favorite music to listen to during a workout? So when it comes to working out me personally, I don't listen to a lot of music. If I'm going to listen to anything, it's low key music, like country music a lot of the time, or maybe a podcast because I am someone who is very, very productive. I have a lot on my plate. I'm a business owner. And when you go into the gym, you are amping up your central nervous system. So I don't put music in, in between in my ears to amp up my central nervous system even more i just like to really be in tune with what i'm doing while i'm at the gym and in tune with my surroundings so whatever music's playing in the background at the gym is conventionally what i'm going to listen to if maybe i'm feeling like i need a little bit more juice or maybe i'm feeling like i'm amped up about something i might listen to some old school hip-hop like eminem or some of the stuff i listened to when i was growing up as a young man that was like a little bit more like 90s early 2000s like angry hip-hop but i did find like i can't really spend much time like listening to stuff like that i find just because like i think like the things that we listen to the shows that we watch the music that we listen to the vibe and the energy coming from those things i think 1000 1 million percent affects your mindset and it your and affects your state of being so i like to keep things pretty mellow having said that I'm kind of a high energy guy, like, like kind of a high, like I'm a hundred mile per hour, man. Right. So when I go into the gym, I'm already going to go a hundred mile, a hundred miles per hour in my training and I'm going to train extremely hard. So I just like to listen to low key stuff. Right. Really, really cool question from Nicholas here is about how often you should go to muscle failure for muscle growth and recovery. Okay, so how often should you train a muscle to failure for muscle growth and recovery? To be honest with you, this depends. You have to look at all the factors in your training to know what's appropriate. And the factors in your training are not just intensity, which in this definition is the pro- like how close you are to failure on each set. You have to also look at, Overall training volume, so the total number of sets that you do per workout or per per week. You need to look at the intensity in a way of how many of those sets are approaching near failure or even at failure or beyond. And then you have to look at your training frequency as well. How often you're training, not just the muscle group, but training your body as a whole. And if you want to grow, you need to manage those things, all of those things intelligently if you want to grow. Some bodybuilders like Jay Cutler didn't take anything to failure and the guy trained twice a day and hit every muscle group at least twice per week. And he had a phenomenal physique. And then you got bodybuilders like Arnold, I would say similar maybe to Jay Cutler, or like volume approach, but nothing like to absolute failure at least from what I see in his training videos. Um, And he does talk about like extended sets and things like that in his like blueprint for mass. So, you know, I guess he probably did do them, but I wonder how often he did them because you need to balance your recovery, your training frequency, the intensity of your training stimulus and the overall training volume to grow. So there's no black and white answer to it. Me personally, the approach that I've been taking is what I would call like a hybrid hit and I'm building out a program for it to replicate the training that I've been doing lately. What I do is like I I train all the muscles in all their contractile ranges, fully contracted, fully lengthened mid range. And then what I do is, is I take each of those positions to failure on each muscle group throughout the course of a week. And what I do is, is I work up in weight. So my, I might do four sets of an exercise, but only the last set is an all out hard set. And I'm working myself up to that really intense set. But I also only train four days per week because if I were to train like that six days per week, I know from experience, I'm going to have nothing black eyes, and be exhausted and won't sleep. Well, probably be irritable, probably be hungry all the time. feel like I can't think clearly because when you do that and you use that level of intensity in your training, it has an effect on your central nervous system. Right? So you kind of have to find a balance. I will say this. You cannot have, let me reiterate this. If you're training to grow your muscle, you cannot have your training frequency high your training intensity high and your total training volume high while your rest is low. You can't do it. You just can't. So you have to either have like high volume, high frequency, low intensity, or you need to have high intensity, low volume, low frequency, or maybe somewhere in between, but you need to manage all those factors if you need to grow. So, it depends. It depends on your training style. It depends on how hard you like to train. I like to train hard. So that's why I only train four days per week. Cause I like to train hard and I want to work up to a really heavy set. Right? Like I want to walk out of the gym feeling like I'm an animal, <laughs> right? I'm an animal that like, that like, I know myself when I leave the gym, I'm like, I gave it everything I had. Another thing to consider is like, if you give it everything you had, you do need to maybe take some weeks off now and then, or have weeks where you're like, I'm going for a fluff and pump workout where I'm just moving. So I hope that was really, really helpful. Was that really helpful or did that just confuse people? (laughs) I know everybody wants like really black and white answers to things. And I blame social media and short form content for black and white answers to things. Um, it's not like what people are presenting on social media is wrong, but you have to listen to the context of what they're presenting. That's part of the reason why like not a lot of my videos go, what I would call like super viral. The, sometimes they go like a little bit viral. And then sometimes you get like the trolls on my posts and stuff. And they're like, yeah, well, what about this? And yeah, well, what about that? And you're like, and then I'm thinking to myself, like, are you listening to the entire video? Because I provide context into what I'm saying. I'm not willing to do content that is just going to say, do this. My content is going to say, do this if you want to accomplish this. Don't do this if you're not already doing that kind of content. So there's some context to it. And honestly, I don't really care if my shit goes viral, right? Because I don't, I don't care if it goes viral. Um, that's also part of the reason why you're seeing a lot of these trainings on my, on my social media where it's like, it's just me talking and like helping people. They're my least productive content, but they're my most helpful content because they're telling people how it is. Right. Cause it's not black and white. Uh, there is context to everything. And in my opinion, unless you're sharing like black and white information on social media, it doesn't really go anywhere. Right. So anyways, rant over. All right. We're almost through them all. Um, the next question let me grab another sip of water here. I'm getting dry. The next question is the best bicep routine with dumbbells and an easy curl bar. If you want to grow any muscle, I already talked about all the factors that you need to manage in order to grow that muscle, you need to manage your intensity. There's two definitions of intensity in training. Okay. There's two definitions of intensity in training, and they need not be confused because they're not the same thing. There's intensity as it relates to the percentage of load or weight that you're lifting as it relates to your one rep maximum lift. And then there's intensity in the definition of proximity of failure in your working sets. I'm talking about intensity as in proximity of failure to your working sets. Okay. You need to manage that with training frequency, training volume, rest and recovery. And obviously your nutrition is going to play a factor as well. Okay. Now, having said that, I do have a real, if you, a real or a short, if you're on YouTube, if you look it up, uh, I don't know if you can even search it, but it's a, uh, This is stop training arm days, three days per week. And then it says, yeah, I know you've been listening to some know-it-all trainer who says the key to growth is training frequency. Except that trainer is not considering total volume, rest, recovery, intensity, right? Uh, And those other factors. So if you're training frequently, then your intensity should be lower. Um, cause you're, if you're training frequently and you're training, you're probably going to have a higher volume. Cause obviously the more often you train, the more volume pounds lifted per week on that muscle group is going to be higher because you're hitting it more often. It's a phenomenal way to train. If you're managing the intensity and you're not trying to be a hero and you're not trying to cheat reps and you're not trying to go to failure or you can train really, really hard, take the muscle to failure really hard maybe a couple of times per workout and then don't train it again for another week. Or if you are going to train it again in a, in a, in the week, you do a second workout for that muscle group. But the intensity of that workout need not be approaching failure on all working sets because you already did that. So on your second workout, what you should really be focusing on is like getting a pump, driving blood in there, driving nutrition in there, giving it a minor training stimulus, right? So what I do, and I've, I feel as though I brought up my arms quite a bit in the last year, what I've been doing in my training to bring up my arms has been I have a push day, I have a pull day, and I have a leg day. I train four days per week. And on my fourth day, I pick some muscle groups that I want to bring up, which is usually shoulder, upper back, and arms. And then I do a little bit of extra training volume on that last day on those areas I want to bring up. I don't train that muscle if it's sore again. Sometimes I need to say like two weeks ago, my triceps are absolutely smoked from my push day. Normally, like I should be training my triceps twice per week on that because that's what my routine has been. However, I listen to my body and go, well, that's just silly because they're not recovered. So why would I tear them up even more? I'm just going to let them recover. And I'm just going to do shoulders, biceps, and upper back today. So you got to think about those factors, okay? Uh, Obviously, like when it comes to the best, like bicep, I I, I don't know if I want to say like the best bicep routine, because honestly, like it takes me upwards on some programs, like four hours to write a program. Because I think about all the factors that I talk about in my, I think it's called write a program, like an award winning coach. I don't know what episode it is, three or four or something like that. I talk about all the factors that you look at when creating a training program. And those are all things that you need to manage. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure that you check it out. I literally just feel like I'm just like telling you to listen to everything. Like listen to this, listen to that, but like the information's gold. So it's called, um, Oh, let me look. Episode number two, how to build a No, Pardon me. That's the wrong one. That's also a great episode. How to build a fat loss diet without giving up your favorite weekend foods. Um, Episode number 11, how to build a program like an award-winning coach. And the factors in how I write a program are in that episode 11 of the Tom, the trainer fitness podcast. If you want to write a workout program, like an award-winning coach, go listen to episode number 11 of the Tom, the trainer fitness podcast, how to write a program like an award-winning coach. Okay. If anybody's wondering about the awards are right there. Okay. Um, So when it comes to exercises for biceps, if all you have are dumbbells and an easy curl bar, then obviously you need to look at curl variations. You need to consider line of force and angles when you're training your bicep, because let's be honest, your elbows are not a very robust joint. They can't take a ton of abuse. And you don't want to train the same position, the same loading angle constantly over and over again. It's a number one indication or number one cause of overuse injuries and tendonitis injuries is training the same movement over and over and over and over again. So you got to look at different grips. Using a hammer grip is a great idea. Using like a supinated grip is a good idea. Using a little bit of an angle on an easy curl bar is a good idea. Um, And training different positions. So you need to train to fully lengthen the bicep, which a great exercise for that is lying on a bench press, driving your chest up, squeezing your shoulder blades together, getting a good full stretch in the bicep and curling all the way up until the load and the the, the angle from the gravity is going to make it so the load lessens and you stop there and you continue down working a full contraction. And if you want to fully contract the bicep, if you want to fully contract a bicep, this is not fully contracting the bicep. If you want to fully contract the bicep, you need to protract the arm. You need to protract the arm. You need to flex and you need to elevate and then push outward. And if you do that right now, you will feel one of the hardest contractions you've ever felt in your life. The best way to do that is to go, let me get my, The best way to fully contract a bicep is to flex here, flex hard, elevate the elbow up and out. You will feel a contraction on your bicep like you've never felt before. Don't neglect that position. Okay. You can't curl there. There's one machine that does it. Love it. I'm on it all the time. You can't curl there, but are you considering that you're protracting and elevating as you're curling to fully contract the bicep? Don't neglect that position. And then mid-range contractions, which are just going to be your standard curls. Okay. Mid-range contraction is where your muscles strongest fully lengthened is weak, fully contracted. It's weak. That's why we fail on exercises as we're approaching the full contraction. Cause it starts to weaken. You have to hit all of those contractile ranges. Like in my um, bodybuilding program, anabolic anatomy. Um, And you should use different grips. And also, what's you want to build big biceps and not destroy your elbows. Make sure that when you're curling, you're considering your carry angle. And you're loading in a direct line. Like, don't train your biceps like this. I can feel that in my elbow now. Create straight lines and angles with things. You'll feel a better contraction. And you won't smash your elbows. Those are things to consider when bicep training everybody find that really, really helpful? Or is everybody like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> Be like, he's talking Greek. <laughs> um, I try to simplify things when I explain them for people as much as I possibly can. Cause it's like, do you want to sound smart or do you want to help people? I want to help people. Sometimes the way that I explain things, I do try to simplify, but I think I know that like, sometimes people are going to be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, dude. And that's cool. Just listen to this again, watch it again. Right. And start playing with things being like, okay, what was he talking about? Well, I don't know. I don't know the role that the serratus in my armpit plays on, on shoulder stability. And I don't know about how a tricep attaches to the shoulder blade And it's an antagonist muscle to the bicep. So it does the opposite thing. So I don't know that. So I don't know why I have to push my elbow forward when fully contracting on the bicep. But I still know push my elbow forward and elevate the bicep bone, the humerus, when trying to fully contract the bicep. And if I want to fully lengthen the bicep, I don't need to know. That I'm activating tricep as hard as I can by expanding my rib cage and driving my chest up and getting full length and squeezing shoulder blades together. You don't need to know that you're activating tricep to grab a hold of the shoulder blade. And that's how you're fully lengthening the bicep. But you still can understand drive chest up, squeeze shoulder blades together, be really, really proud, get full length. Hell, try to flex my bicep in the bottom, right? And then mid-range contractions are just going to be like the things that you see everywhere. And that's why my most viral content is on positioning in training that a lot of people are overlooking. So anyways, rant, rant, rant. Um, (laughs) I'm ranting. Okay. We're almost done here. How can you keep your weight down without feeling like you're starving? I talked about this a little bit earlier in the, in, in the training. Um, If you like, if you don't want to starve while losing body fat, make sure that your diet is full of the nutrients it needs for your body to thrive. Don't under eat. Don't overcut carbs and eat often eat five to six meals per day. Make sure you've got the vitamins and minerals that are necessary for your body to thrive. So your body's not craving those vitamins and minerals that it needs and sending a hunger signal. Eat often. So there's not a lot of time between meals. And if you do have to wait a little bit between meal, a meal, it's not that, it's not that bad, right? Don't cut carbs and shameless plug. Use the luxury lifestyle allowance because the high caloric intake day once per week sends a signal to the body, down-regulates ghrelin hormone signals, which is your hunger hormone, once per week. And every seven days, every six or seven days, you down-regulate that hunger hormone. So those are the things to do to not feel like you're starving. Somebody asked, how do you know you have to have a lot of water to lose body fat? Cause I know, um, I'm just kidding. Um, well, like, let's look at it this way. Why is, why is drinking water important when you're training your wa- your muscle, sorry. Water is important to consume a lot of while you're training because your muscle anatomy is muscle tissue, glycogen stored carbohydrates and water. We lengthen and contract muscles in training Have you ever tried to lengthen a piece of beef jerky? Okay. So if you want to be able to train hard, you should have water in your system. Also, we don't sweat out. We don't sweat out body fat. We exhale it and we urinate it. So if you're drinking a lot of water, you have a likelihood of urinating more body fat. And lastly, if you drink a lot of water, you're going to increase your step count, right? (laughs) Going to the bathroom more often. Um, So yeah, it is extremely powerful and it helps with digestion as well. So there's many, many reasons why water intake is important, not just for losing body fat, but also energy levels, skin tone, cognitive function, the ability to think clearly, energy levels, I think I said, all those things, all those things, okay? What are some tips, last question here and then I gotta log off because I do have a call with a client, okay folks? What are some tips on shifting your mindset when trying to get back into the gym after an injury so that you don't go too heavy. And that was my camera going off. If you heard that beat, what are some tips and tricks on shifting your mindset when trying to get back into the gym after an injury so that you don't go too heavy and re injure yourself, even though you know you can lift heavier weights, but you shouldn't. Okay. Phenomenal question. So. oh, well, I could go on the weeds on this one. Everybody want me to go in the weeds? I got eight minutes. Say weeds if you want weeds. I can literally get like knowledge. Um, (laughs) For anybody listening on the podcast, when they hear us, I was pointing to all my like awards and certifications. But like, so I think one thing to consider if you're injury prone is, is your training causing the injury? Okay. Now, if you are injury prone and you're training heavily, an injury comes from, Tissue tolerance, their tissues not being able to tolerate the load that's being put present. Okay. Also, I'm a firm believer, and I take this from a certification. If you if you don't have a stable body and you're more strong than you are stable your and the little bumps and bruises that you're feeling in your training from lifting heavily are like check engine lights. They're saying like something needs to be addressed and you can't keep doing this or you're going to get seriously hurt and then you do get seriously hurt, right? Anabolic anatomy looks at loading angles. It looks at stability, it looks at your strength. And it also looks at um, strategically using exercise selections, exercise sequence selections to pre fatigue muscles where they're weak by fully contracting them. Then going to an exercise where you could push the limits on a little bit harder, but it's going to be safer because you pre fatigue the muscle. So it's safer for the joints, right? And then lengthening the muscle fully, which will help you posturally because our muscles don't get tight. Our muscles get tight because it's a defense mechanism in our body to be like, I am weak here. That means that I am vulnerable there. Well, don't be there. And then our muscles tighten up. But if we teach our body that we're strong there, then we will improve our posture and we will limit the risk of injury. And then it's about like slow and steady progress. So, uh, of course, I know you. I know who's saying this. I can't see the comment, I can't see the name of the comments, but I know who it is 100%. I'm gonna call it a Eliana. Worked with Eliana for years, really, really awesome client. She accomplished amazing things. I think lost 40 pounds, deadlifted like 355. Eliana, I think she's a badass. Um, so what was I saying there? Uh I lost it. I was giving props to Eliana. Um, oh my goodness. Anyways. So, you know, exercise order sequence is important, right? And slow and steady progress. Like maybe if you're injury prone training the way that you used to, as I used to train really, really heavy. And Eliana can attest that like 400 plus squats, 400 plus deadlifts. Right. Uh, But then I got to a point where it's like, Hey, my body can't do that anymore. I'm an old man. I got a neck injury. I got, I rehabbed a bad back injury. The fact that I stopped lifting heavy like that allowed for me to fix my back injury to the point where like I used to walk with a limp for seven years. And now I like have no pain ever in my back in my low back. Um, but it, with my neck injury and it's a cervical disc injury, it's like, and it's a neural nerve injury. I just stopped lifting like that. And then I just fell in love with training the way that I train now. So if you are, Injury prone to the training style that you're doing fall in love with a different training style. And Eliana, I think you would really enjoy the training style of anabolic anatomy, which I think you've trained in the past because it's cool. It's fun. It's unique. And you're like, Whoa, I can really feel the muscle there. Wow. I can feel this. And Eliana's is all about like, she really enjoys learning things. Cause we worked with, we worked in person and she was like, she was like my like prodigy. She was like one of the first, badasses i ever trained that literally just like listened to everything i ever said and just accomplished some amazing strength feats and lost a ton of body weight in the process as well and um but like you would really enjoy that style of training i think eliana because uh it's fun it's unique it's detail oriented and you like the details that's how you lifted as much as you did um And to clarify, I gave Eliana an extra five pounds on her deadlift. Her best deadlift was 350. But, like, can we get, like, a badass in the comments for Eliana? Deadlifting 350 pounds, right? Let's get a badass in the comments, please, right? Um, I do got to fly, everybody. I hope that you absolutely love this training. I have a lot of fun doing them. Again, if you're listening to this on the podcast, go join Tom, the trainer's tribe description is going to be in the link. The the link is going to be in the description of the episode. Um, And that's it. And also, if you found a lot of value in this, when it launches on the podcast or if you're listening to the podcast, share it, get it out there. Right. This is all free information, all my years of expertise, and I'm just giving it out because I want to see you all win especially in the tribe. If you're a member of the tribe, I just want to see you kick life's ass on all fronts, dominate it all have the best day ever. You guys and gals are the best. Take care. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media. So I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, Send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.